welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. Once a month, I get to chat with a friend who has a story to tell, a passion to share, or a dream that she is pursuing. Today, my guest is my friend, Ginger. Ginger is wife of 25 years to Derek. She is mom to two college-age students who go to Baylor. And in our conversation, we talk about how Ginger was adopted from South Korea at two years of age. You will hear Ginger's incredible story, and you will be encouraged. I promise you that. So here's our conversation. So welcome to the podcast, Ginger. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm really excited. So I was thinking about back to the time we met, and I remember it was a distinct time when I was at my new job. I was teaching kindergarten, and it was probably, what, nine years ago? I was thinking nine, eight or nine. I remember coming into your classroom, and I think Uh that was the day your husband was coming in as a special guest to read to your class. And they were talking to him about his job. Okay. Okay. Well, I remember um, seeing you and you were like, oh, I know your mom. And I was like, yay. And then you told me about your kids and they were what grades then? Well, nine years ago, I think they were still in elementary school. Okay. Okay. Good. Well, that's where I remember meeting you. And then I totally fell in love with you of what people said about you. And I love so much about your fun personality, but then I love your heart for God and Thank just you. the prayer warrior that you've been. I mean, I remember seeing you praying with other moms back then when your kids Absolutely. were in elementary and now your kids have graduated high school and are in college. And we're still praying on Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's so great. Okay. Tell me about your family. I know some people might not know you, so tell us about who you have in your family. Well, uh, Derek and I met in EE uh, 26 years ago, and next Tuesday, we'll have been married 25 years. Oh my goodness, that's like a huge Uh, deal. I know, it's a big deal. Um, My son is 20. His name is Stephen. He is a junior at Baylor University. He's a professional sales major and a church worship minor. My daughter will be a freshman at Baylor and her major is theater performance. She is 18. And those fit them perfectly. Like those majors, it's like, you know, it's not like an undecided, like, well, I don't know. That is totally them. Who God has called them to be. That's awesome. Okay. So tell me, so you have two kids at Baylor and Tell me what has been the most, the best piece of advice that somebody ahead of you has given you on raising teenagers or even raising kids is is a general rule. Right. Ren, I have taught in the youth department for over 20 years. And so I have seen teenagers. I thought I was prepared for teenagers Mm -hmm. until I had teenagers. (laughs) Uh, The best piece of advice I received that I keep on holding on to, apart from obvious daily prayer, right, and interceding for them, is uh, rules without relationship equal rebellion. And so I have seen working with teenagers, parents who are all rules and all the time, and their kids are dying for a relationship, or I see parents who want to be their kids' best friends, and it's all relationship all the time. 
and those kids are dying for some rules. Hmm. And so we tell, we have, uh, as youth leaders, we meet with the parents once a year and we tell them to parent like a funnel. So at the bottom of the funnel is where it's tight. And when the kids are young, you need to hold on to those rules pretty tightly. Don't run in the street. Don't touch that. That's hot. You have a lot of rules, 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 rules. Well, the older they get, you need to open up, have fewer rules, a little bit more relationship. But I will tell you that I think a lot of parents do that too soon. Mm-hmm. where they they want to be their kids' best friends in fifth grade or uh, even in high school. And it is not it was not until my kids, uh, of course, every child is different and responsibility and how they have grown spiritually has a lot to do with that. But as they mature, especially spiritually, then you can let go of a lot of those rules. So it really you would say it depends on <clears throat> excuse me, it depends on each child. It does. It really does. Mm. But the closer they are to adulthood, again, just like you hear when they're kids about choose your battles, you need to do that all over again. Mm. When they turn 17, 18, uh, Dobson said that parenting teenagers is like going down a river rapid and you're just trying to keep people in the boat that is not the time to say your breath smells mm-hmm. did you your hair's out of place are you what is that on your chin are you growing something there <laughs> but it's not the time to be critical of things that don't matter oh that's good wisdom right there isn't it I was going to say, after all that you were saying, I was like, yay, let's go. Let's do this. I'm like, oh, no. But what awesome advice you have about the funnel. You, I remember you telling me that in your kitchen. I remember where I was standing when you told me that. That is such great wisdom. Still applies. I still think about it all the time. Absolutely. That's great. Okay, so let's go back. So you have been um, married almost 25 years. That's so great. Happy anniversary. That's so awesome, awesome, awesome. And you have two children at Baylor. Oh, by the way, I wore my Magnolia t-shirt in your honor because how many times have you been to Magnolia Market? At least uh, four times a year. Oh, yes. (laughs) Every time we go, most of the time to pick up a souvenir for a friend. Oh, neat. Okay, have you been to the bakery? I haven't been Absolutely. to that one yet. The bakery, we've been to the garden shop, oh. we're opening a restaurant, they have a bed and breakfast. We have not stayed at the bed and breakfast, okay. but um, it's just a fun place to be. Yeah, you can do that next time. I mean, you have many opportunities, so you can just rent the whole house. <laughs> And bring me. I mean, you know. And let's kind of go back to your childhood and yeah. go back to how old were you? And if, if some people might not know who you are, but you are from South Korea. Absolutely. I was born in Seoul. Uh, I was adopted at two and a half. A lot of people will ask you, where are you from? And I'm so used to being from America that I'll say Texas. And they laugh and they say, no, no, no. Where are you really from? And I'm, oh, you mean what is my nationality? Uh-huh. And it gets kind of confusing what people, uh, what is the politically correct way to ask somebody uh, what their race is. 
But um, currently, if you want to know where someone is from by birth, you would ask them, what is your nationality? And so I was born in Korea. I was born in South Korea. My children are often asked if they were born in North Korea. So that, you know, adoptions out of North Korea just aren't really common. No, no, no. Chuckle. I was adopted through Holt International, and Holt was uh, started by a husband and wife right after the Korean War. A lot of um, American soldiers had come in to fight the war. They would unfortunately have relations with Korean women and then leave. And these women were left with children who were biracial, and that was completely unacceptable in South Korea at that time Mm -hmm. to have what they would consider to be a half-breed, which is awful. It's a horrific word to use. Mm -hmm. But biracial, my children are actually biracial. My husband is uh, Scotch-Irish. And um, so they're quite a blend of that. Mm. But anyway, so I was adopted at two and a half with my biological brother. Mm. My parents, who are from Texas, had two biological children of their own. When my, when their, it's still mine, but when their firstborn child turned 18, they decided to adopt two more children. Wow. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? No. Get ready to empty nest. That would be like Derek and I empty nesting and saying, you know what? Let's start all over with two more. (laughs) Yeah, two more. Yeah, not one more, but two more. And actually, they sought out to adopt one more. Um, Mm. My parents had two biological children. One was 18 at the time of our adoption, and one was eight. So they were 10 years apart. Wow. And then, so my parents had a little bit of a struggle. with fertility. And so they decided to adopt one more son. They knew how to do boys. Ren, you know how to do boys? Yeah. Well, (laughs) mm, I don't think so, but I have one. I'm trying. I love boys. Boys are great. And Uh. so, but when they sought to adopt him, the agency asked them if they would take me (gasps) because we were siblings. Mm. And what a gracious act of mercy and love. And so they said yes and took on two children who didn't speak English. Um, I was hardly potty trained. Mm. Um, And back then, you didn't have to go to Korea to adopt. Um, You went through all the paperwork, probably snail mail, I'm sure. And then we met in Chicago. So I got off the plane, uh, unattended minors, my brother, I were unattended minors. So poor flight attendant had Mm. these two children who didn't speak English. Uh, my brother was five and I was two and a half. And so we met my parents. I've never called them my adoptive parents. I've Mm. always called them my parents. We met them there and I'll be honest with you. That is my first childhood memory. Oh, what a great memory. So when people, I I remember one time when I was in New York in the subway and a young mom had her baby on the subway and she was crying. And I just felt led of the Lord to ask her if I could pray for her. And I said, I don't know you, but are you okay? And she said, I'm just so worried about how to raise this child. Mm. 
I'm scared her to death. And I told her my adoption story. And I said, you know what? I can, I can tell you what happened to me in that orphanage or before that orphanage, before I was two and a half. And it would be horrific. It would probably scare you. Mm. And to let you know that I'm a grown adult, and I'm happily married, I love the Lord, and um, what happened to me before two and a half did not affect the rest of my life. Mm. In a way that only by the grace of God could it um, redeem and become His story. And that poor woman, that mom who thought, oh, I've got my brand new baby on a dirty subway. Mm-hmm. She said, that was such an encouragement to me. I'm so afraid I'm doing everything wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and isn't that, so, like all of us, we're all afraid we're doing something wrong, especially though her by herself. And yeah. Exactly, wow. With a, a newborn baby on a dirty subway. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't remember anything before two and a half. Um, when I turned 18, my mom uh, gave me the keys to the safety deposit box and said, I would like you to go get your adoption papers. Mm-hmm. And so we really didn't talk about it a lot before then. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, my parents, I think it's part of that generation. My parents are in their 80s. Mm-hmm. So they were 40 when they adopted. Wow. <laughs> uh-huh. See, I'm thinking I'm two years from 40 and I'm thinking, oh, dear. All over, right? right. And so... Um, they were very private, which is part of that mm-hmm. generation, I really believe. Yes. And so at 18, my mom gave me the keys to the safety deposit box and said, your adoption papers are in there if you'd like to know your story. Mm, wow. So before so, that, before 18, obviously you knew you were adopted because y'all yes, are... but I do have a funny story about oh, that. Oh, I want to hear it. <laughs> you know, every kid thinks that either they look like everybody else Um, or everybody looks like them. uh And so um, one day I looked at our family Christmas card and I asked my mom, who is the little girl that doesn't look like everybody else? I didn't know I looked different from my family. My parents did an amazing job of treating me as their own. I never felt different at home. I never felt adopted. I'm actually very offended when kids think that's a joke or a a, a put down to tell somebody, ha ha ha, what if you were adopted? Mm. Because I love being adopted. Mm -hmm. Anytime I hear someone say that they're considering adoption, I say, I love adoption. We're adopted in the Lord. I used to tell people I have three dads. I have a biological father, a father who adopted me, and then God, that we are adopted into his family. So I grew up not really knowing my full story. I would sometimes ask my parents, and they um, really, I think they avoided the topic for fear that I might get hurt or, you know, as parents, we everything to protect our children. Mm even if some of those things are wrong. And I'm not going to say it's wrong. Right. I'm going to say that they really did not discuss it with me for fear mm-hmm. that I would get my feelings hurt. So at 18, I uh, read through my adoption papers, and I did. I cried. It was very um, sad because I was old enough to understand that um, 
I was being I was found on the street in Korea. Uh, somebody from the orphanage found me there, brought me to the orphanage, and so I don't know what my story was before then. I don't know if I I was abandoned, if I'd gotten lost, that kind of thing. And how old were you at that point? I was only in the orphanage for six months. Okay. Which is a huge blessing. Yeah. So I was two, Mm -hmm. alone on the streets of Seoul, Korea. Wow. And I used to have a dream that I was in a fire. I don't know if you ever had recurring dreams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To have a recurring dream that I was in a fire, and so in my mind, I thought, well, my parents must have died in the fire. So that really kept me from wanting to find my biological parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, in my mind, decided they had passed away. Right. Well, my adoption papers do not show or tell anything about my biological parents. Really? So. Um, but it says I was found and it said that I was trying to keep myself warm by a stick that was on fire. <gasps> so it's interesting. So I actually have little scars on my stomach that I never knew what they were. And so all these little pieces were kind of coming together. Um, and so it showed my adoption paper showed my diet, which was rice three times a day and an apple. Mm, ginger. So when I was adopted at two and a half years old, I weighed 20 pounds. Oh my goodness. Wow. My son, who was pretty big, <laughs> months old, weighed 20 pounds. At six months old? <laughs> wow. So I weighed at two yeah. and a half what my son weighed at six months. Wow. But anyway, so, um, and when but, you, when they were, when they found you, was your brother with you at that point? You know, it did not say that. And I've never read my brother's adoption papers. And um, he actually, uh, about 10 years ago, I spoke at an adoption group at a Christ Methodist here in town. And I called my brother and I said, this is what I'm going to say. Would you like to add anything to it? And he said, this is about the time I want to tell you. I don't think we're actually biological brothers and sisters. <gasps> Oh, wow. Said, because he was five, he said, I remember being brought to the orphanage by my mm-hmm. uncle, who's a soldier. He said, wow. I don't remember seeing you until they brought us together to have our picture made. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, we're brother and sister anyway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, that's where <laughs> you just say that. Yes. Adoption brings us together as family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's so beautiful. That is great. Well, um, I knew part of that. And I also, do you know how old you are? How old I I actually don't know. And so um, I would love to find out how orphanages who find children or have children dropped off come up with a birthday. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I would like a different one. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to be 29 again, please. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. Well, oh, is that very common over in South Korea to have babies dropped off or toddlers dropped off? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. I don't know if you have seen the movie The Dropbox. No. Incredible. Everyone needs to see it. I hope it's on Netflix or something. Okay, I'll but look it up. it is about a um, pastor in Seoul 
who um, would leave a box outside of his church for women to drop off their babies instead of abortion. Mm, wow. And then it got to become a big deal where he was able to raise enough money to install basically like a warming oven, a drawer rather, wow. where um, moms could drop off their baby, no questions asked, wow. in this little incubator type uh, drawer. And he would open it on the inside and raise up these little children. Mm-hmm. And so it's very, very common okay. because of a shame mentality in the Asian culture. Okay. Okay. Well, and I was going to ask you when you're here in America now, and what is the the most misconception that you have from your, um, from, well, from others? What is the most common misconception of your nationality? Oh, of my nationality. Well, a lot of people assume that I speak Korean. Okay. Which I don't. Okay. Wish that I did. Yeah. But I have a lot of people come up to me in the grocery store and just uh-huh. start speaking some other nation, you know, some uh-huh. other language, either uh-huh. Chinese or Korean or Japanese. And it's very hard to tell. To me, it's hard to tell the difference in the uh, different nationalities, Asian nationalities. So I have that happen a lot. I have, um, people assume that my children would speak, uh, Korean as well. Uh So, uh, I have a funny story about Stephen being in, um, an English class that needed a recommendation for the honors class. And at the end of the school year, and I was fairly involved at school, and so I'd been up there a lot, that kind of thing. And the teacher said, I said, um, would you be able to write a recommendation for Stephen to be in the honors class? And she said, you know, he really doesn't talk very much in class. I just assumed he didn't speak English at home. Oh, <laughs> I love it. And I thought, huh. I, not only do I speak English, but I have this Southern <laughs> accent. <laughs> Exactly. Oh my goodness. It's a, it's a big deal. People that, assume that I would speak. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I, I can see how people say that. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love it. Okay. Thank you for sharing your story about your sure. adoption. And I've interviewed talk, and talked to friends that have adopted. They have been on the other side as the mom, the adoptive mom, but I had not talked to um, anyone yet about being on the other side of that, of being adopted? Well, I will tell you this. I have talked to a lot of parents who are considering adoption, and they're scared. Um, They're scared they're going to do things wrong, or they're scared that we might not bond, or those kinds of things. And and I've listened to other podcasts and things like that. But I will say my story has been wonderful. I adore my parents, and they're not perfect, just like you and I are not perfect. (laughs) Right, right, yeah. I I did grow up being incredibly grateful. Um, In Korea, if you have not been adopted by 13, then you're put out on the street. Mm. And so I knew what my future would have held had I not been adopted. Um, Now, Holt... Uh, tries to keep the children as long as they can, and they have a beautiful uh, facility for children with special needs who can stay there the rest of their lives. Oh, wonderful. So that's wonderful. But I grew up feeling very thankful 
mm. that I had been adopted. Um, and I just, as an adult now, look back and think, how in the world did my parents do that? I can't imagine being able to do that now at 45 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. an 18 year old and a 20 year old that I would start all over again. Yeah. So it's well, I was fun. telling dad about, um, your story a little bit of what I knew and, um, and that your brother was 18, um, <laughs> when your mom, um, and dad, um, adopted you and, That's and so- he goes, that he said, what a big heart, what a big heart that mama had and that daddy had. So, and I know that's molded you. What is a specific way of how your adoption has molded you? I think that, um, it draws me to a better understanding of how we're all adopted Mm -hmm. in the family of God. I mean, from a firsthand point of view, Mm -hmm. someone who's not adopted can imagine what it's like to be adopted into the family of God, to have a God who is incredible and totally unrelated to us. Are you kidding? How do we, how can we say we're related to an Mm. unfathomable creator God? Mm. And then yet God says, yes, you are my sons. You're my daughters. You are co-heirs with Christ. And so when I became a part of the Hawkins family, that's my maiden name, I was never less than. I was never the adopted child. I was a co-heir with my siblings, including my parents' biological children. I will often tell people that as an international adoptee, my greatest desire was to be American. I just wanted to fit in. I think all kids want to fit oh, in. Sure. Right. I did not want to take sushi or kimchi to lunch. Uh, <laughs> I did yeah. not want to dress as Mulan on any kind of Disney day. <laughs> Would rather be a cowgirl. We were from Dallas. I wanted uh-huh. to be a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. It was America's team. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So yeah. I think that I would encourage um, parents who are adopting internationally um, to really encourage that child that they really are no different, um, that they really are part of the family. Um, now, I will say, this is an interesting story. The night that I spoke at Christ Methodist to an international adoption group, the other woman speaking that night was in the same orphanage with me at the same time. Oh my goodness. Can you believe that? I was two and a half and she was an infant Mm, and we were both adopted into Memphis family, excuse me, families in America ended up in Memphis. Oh my goodness gracious. And so she had a different experience though. She said she, her parents had adopted tons of kids from all different countries and they brought their kids up in their culture. So they would go to uh, Korean cultural days for the children they adopted from Korea. And then they would go to maybe African cultural days for their kids that they ad- adopted from Africa. Okay. So she loved that. Mm. And so I guess what we were able to share with those parents that night was 
you just can't go wrong. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. Just like all of us as parents, we yeah. are seeking God mm. and hearing directly from Him what He wants us to do. And so if you're one of those parents and you say, God, how do you want me to raise this child? And He says, raise her to appreciate her culture, then go for it. Mm. If He says, raise her to feel like an American, because that's what she's going to want one day, then go for that too, I guess. <laughs> yes, that's wonderful. It's about hearing from the Lord what He wants. And isn't that about anything that we Everything. do in life? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, parenting, in your marriage, friendships, single women, single guys, you know, that's it. God does not parent us all the same. He parents me differently than He parents you. It may take Him a lot longer to teach me something He's already taught you. <laughs> or vice versa, Ginger. <laughs> but the children are the same way, whether they're adopted or not. That's it's great. just seeking the Lord. And it's that train up your child according to their bent, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Okay, well, let's go into the little fun part of my podcast. The Eat, hey. <laughs> the eat Pray, Read, Love. I'm like, what's That's the right. last one? Right. Anyway, so what are you eating now? What is something that uh -oh. you just can't get enough of? I know. I love to, uh, I'm almost a vegetarian, um, uh, not by conviction. I wish I felt more sorry for the poor cows, but yeah. really by preference. And okay. um, so my favorite new thing is roasted cauliflower. It's uh -huh. very cheap. You just chop it up and you okay. stick it in the oven and about 400 degrees for about 15 minutes okay. with salt, pepper, and garlic and uh, feed it to my kids. They say it tastes like popcorn. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to do that. I love roasting right. vegetables. Yes, absolutely. And it's just, it just okay. goes a long way. Okay. I like that. That's right. I knew you. I, I remembered you were vegetarian. That's awesome. Okay, so roasted cauliflower. I'm eating watermelon like crazy. Yeah. Like cannot get. <laughs> and then I started thinking, okay, so like in a month they're not going to be good, and then like May I'll have to wait till May. Like I started I'm thinking about this it. in my head. That's messed up. <laughs> like why am I thinking about watermelon? Like as I'm sitting here. That's, That's anyway. Great. So okay, I'll try the roasted cauliflower. Okay, what are you praying for right now? Well, I'm always praying for my kids. I do say, as you are too, and um, I pray for my kids, uh, obviously with my husband. I pray for them alone. I do pray still with moms in prayer with other moms, which has been precious. I've done that for 20 years. Um, but I'm praying specifically uh, for God's next step for me as an empty nester, uh, just as my kids keep getting the question, where are you going to college? And what are you doing with your life? Yeah. Uh, simultaneously, I'm getting the question, what are you going to do now that you're empty nesting? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. And so I have heard some fairly good advice to not do anything different mm -hmm. that first six months. Oh, okay. I heard a year, first year, exactly. but six months okay. to a year. At that least. sounds good. And just <gasps> to kind of enjoy mm -hmm. uh, it. Uh, but I'll tell you, my husband said, yay, it'll finally be my turn. <laughs> <laughs> He's waited. Yeah. Oh, because kids are, you know, as mm -hmm. a mom, mm -hmm. and our listeners know, um, it's such a joy, but it's very time-consuming. Yeah. And so our husbands have been very patient mm -hmm. and... He's excited. Yeah, that's great. That's good advice. Six months to a year. I'd like that. Not do anything. Okay, so what are you reading right now? I can't wait. Well, I am one of those weird people. Um, <laughs> and you may be one of those weird people. Probably. Where I read about four books at the same time. Yes! <laughs> yes! 
that? What is wrong with us? Well, I think that you pick one up. I'm kind of in the mood for this one, yes. or I've gotten bogged down in one, but I still want to finish mm-hmm. it. And so I have some lighter reading, some heavier mm-hmm. reading. The heavy book I'm reading is The Insanity of God oh, by yes. Nick Ripkin. Yes. And it is very heavy. It's about um, persecution. Oh, and wow. so after a while, you really need some, like, yeah, you know, Psalms and (laughs) something praise music or something. But anyway, and then the other book I'm reading is a light read. It's called 50 people. All Christians should know by Warren Wearsby. And it's great. It's like two page, three page autobiography, excuse me, not autobiography, biography. Okay. Of all these great heroes of the faith. (gasps) I'm going to get that. Phenomenal. Okay. Uh, Charles Moody and, you know, all these people. So anyway, and then I'm also reading. I love this. You're just like uh, me. I'm serious. Uh, Kay Warren's book, Sacred Privilege. Oh, okay. It is really geared toward uh, women who are in ministry. And so even though I'm not a pastor's wife, but I do serve in the church, and it's just been great talking about how uh, we still need relationships, mm-hmm. how the pressure that she has uh, had being a pastor's wife, of feeling like you have to live up to everyone else's expectations. It's been, it tells her story. Okay. Um, they had a child commit suicide yes. and okay. difficult that was as uh, a minister's wife. Cause you know, as moms, mm-hmm. we're already hard enough on ourselves. Yes. Absolutely. And she shared just how difficult that was because mm. there are people who judge everything we do. Mm-hmm. You know? And also, I don't know how y'all do it as young moms. Yeah. In the, in, I think in the social media generation and all that, and it's just, you know, like I told my husband the other day, he, he said something. I said, no, I'm going to put, I'll, I said, I'll put that on Instagram because those are the people I know in real life. And he goes, well, just put it on Facebook. And I said, no, at, at Facebook, it's like, yeah, you can be my friend, sure. But, and then right. I don't post stuff on there because I know they're going to be judging me because they don't know me in real life. Exactly. So. Exactly. And it's, I, I have told my children that social media should be a time to celebrate, mm. um, not to uh, put yourself out there, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. that's really annoying. Right. Uh, not to <laughs> criticize. <laughs> No, that kind of thing. But just to celebrate what mm-hmm. God's doing in your life or those kinds of things. And I know people judge whether or not they think that you're posting too often, not enough, whether you're um, Bragging. self-promoting, exactly, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. Yes. Um, but like we said earlier, your intentions are going to be between you and God. So right. you have to be a that. That's good stuff. Well, that sounds like a really good book. Is that a new book? Like it just came out? You no, know, I came across it and I don't know. I think it is fairly I think new. So. I think I'd have um, it is. It's a great book. In fact, she mentions uh, Dr. Rogers in there. Oh, does she? <laughs> oh my goodness. That's neat. Neat. Okay. Well, I'm reading like you. I can't remember the other two because they're somewhere in the house. We are living with my parents because we're building a house. But um, the one that I'm like, finishing is wife school have you heard of wife school yeah julie gordon yes i'm doing that and so it it'll it'll get you but it's it really is good it really is good and then i'm also reading um gary moreland do you follow any bloggers like only a few okay um emily freeman well she's author too um the nester was a big blogger and 
um, her and her sister, Emily, are writers, and their dad has a book. And I'm like, he's the cutest thing. Like, oh, I, it's like, like, he would be like my dad. And it's called A Family Shape by Grace, How to Get Along with the People Who Matter Most. And he oh, was, wow. it was really good because he went through, he was an alcoholic for the first 20 years of his married life. And then it's talking about how he dealt with things then with young girls and, uh, you know, young daughters and how he dealt with it. And then the last, the last 20 years of how it's changed and the things wow. he's done through that. It's really neat. It's a, a, it's great, a great redemption book. story. Yes, it is. It's great. So, okay. So what are you loving right now? Well, I'm really loving creating different oh. things. And so we've made tons of stuff for Christina's dorm, yes. which has been hilarious. The difference between having a boy and a girl uh -huh. going to college. Yes. And then uh, I've painted in the past. I've started painting again a little bit. And then I have students in my uh, Sunday school class who will come over and paint with me. And so that's been fun. And then um, I've been helping a few friends with their kids' weddings because oh. I'm old enough to now have friends whose kids oh. are getting married. Isn't that and crazy? So, <laughs> ah! so I think the next five years is going to be filled with weddings. So I'm um, doing flowers for a friend of mine's wedding. And oh, so just wow. creating uh, a love that we get to reflect God as our creator yes. by creating. Yes. And so it's just incredible that we get to do that. That's awesome. I saw someone, um, it was Crystal Witten actually, and on her Instagram, and she was showing her prayer journal, and she um, she prayed for creativity. And she goes, do you all pray for creativity? And I was like, I think I have started since she has been kind of on my Instagram that I've like seen what she's been praying for. And I'm like, yes, pray for creativity. God gives us that. And so I love watching your little Insta stories of those cute oh. little... <laughs> The cute succulents. little, I wish you'd do more, the but there's succulents. cute yeah. little, yes, the succulents. And I'm like, she's Joanna Gaines. Look at her little succulents that are cute. Just, we are becoming quite the plant people. Though. I like it. You need the t-shirt, plant lady. Exactly. Plant lady. That's neat though. But you're doing all kinds of creating. I mean, painting. That is awesome. I'm impressed for sure. Okay, so Ginger, I've got, I had to write it all down of all the stuff you do. You teach youth girls. You keep babies in the nursery. You're a Bible fellowship teacher. You're an awesome mom to two teenagers. You're a prayer warrior. You're an encourager. You're a mission trip taker. You're a healthy eater. And you're a marathon runner. What spurs you on to do all these things? I will say um, I really don't like to be still. <laughs> and so, Ren, there have been times in my life, literally, that God has reminded me of that verse in Psalms, be still and know that I'm God. And so I do love staying active and on task, as all moms do, but to be intentional in doing that um, with the Lord's uh, direction. That's great. For sure. And, and that's what we were talking about earlier. So what is God saying to you? I love it. Exactly. Yay. Okay. So on your, um, there were three words that I saw on something of yours, probably Instagram. And it said faith, family, friends. And I said, that's ginger. You focus your faith and you are a godly, godly woman to show others that are, you're farther down the path than I am. And so I can look to you and say, 
You know, or just hear your wisdom of that and just that you're a prayer warrior for those around you, for your family, but for others around you. Like you said earlier, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. And, and I your love little that. And I know you will. And so I know that you're you're focused on your faith and then your family. I know how much you love your family and your friends. And I saw their tight group of friends that I didn't even know that was your tight group of friends. And I was like, I remember them growing up, you know, growing up in the church. I remember all the moms them. are friends with each other. And so anyway, I see that and I see the faith um, family and friends play out in your life. And so when I listen to you, I love hearing your voice because your okay. voice Thank is you. comforting. It's oh, fun. Good. It's why we listen to your podcast oh, is because you. you're sweet. We really want to hear from you too. Um, oh, you're sweet. the consistent glue in your podcast. And so there's, it's something about hearing your voice so that actually makes us want to listen. Oh, sweet. Oh, that's so encouraging. We want to know you. what your question is going to be. Mm. We want to know what your thoughts are on mm. what was just said. Mm. Seriously. Well, good, I mean, good. Because I was listening to a podcast earlier of Jamie Ivey, and she was interviewing Christy of Business Boutique, and she was talking about women like that are in businesses. And it was like so many women think, I don't, I don't need to do that. Somebody else, there's tons of people doing that. They're doing the same thing. And they're like, no, what's your voice? Thank it's you so God filling your voice. So that, thank you so much for saying yeah. that. Cause that's encouraging yeah. to me. Cause sometimes I'm like, Hmm, should I really, you know, am, am I really, cause oh. really I'm very much an introvert unless I know you well, which is why I'm doing it one-on-one because <laughs> I love that. But, but you um, know, like the faith family and friends is because I'm actually an introvert as well, mm -hmm. but God has called us to be relational, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so I tell my students relationships are the number one thing to God. That's why he created us to have a relationship with us. That's why Jesus died. So we, he could have a relationship with us. Mm -hmm. And so that's why uh, going solo is not what glorifies God. It's mm -hmm. these relationships and a relationship with Him and then a relationship with other people. Yes, so good and so true. Well, I appreciate you so much and I thank you so much for giving me some time to, to chat with you and for you to share your story with me. Thanks, friend. Yay. Thanks for having me. I love it. I, I love, you. love you. All right, bye. Y'all, wasn't it awesome hearing from Ginger? Her adoption story, I had never heard it in detail, and it was incredible. I was just amazed at the details of it and how God has all those details. He knew she was going to be adopted and brought over here to um, Texas. And so it's just, it was just an incredible story. I loved hearing it from her. And the two biggest things that I took away from our conversation was the parenting advice about being like a funnel like down at the when the kids are younger is just to tighten that funnel up with rules and I love that and then as you grow um, as they grow older and your relationship develops more with your children that you let some of those um, you just have fewer rules um, and then you have more of a relationship I love that I love that visual I'm so visual so I love that and then I also love the fact that she told her kids about how to treat social media, that it is like a celebration. I love that viewpoint. 
So leave me a comment or direct message about what was your favorite part of this episode on our Instagram. I love Instagram, love Instagram stories. So catch me over there and I will see you next time. Thanks for listening.